0: You'll notice there's a, a few empty seats, and we're glad you're here at 9 o'clock because we have a, a house full over in the financial class, so uh, that's a blessing, so, so 11 o'clocks are going to be really full, but that's also a blessing as well. But you know what I just love, I'll tell you what, ha- anybody here have a tough week this week, raise your hand. Isn't it good to come and hang out with God's people? Isn't it good just to worship and get your eyes off of all the stuff that's going on in this life and focus on the Lord? God is so good, Amen. All right, by the way of announcements tonight, we will be having prayers always at 515. As our pastor often says, the most important time that we meet all week. Again, remember the prayer slips are in your bulletin. Take a few moments, pull it out, write down some prayer requests. Know that you will be prayed for. You'll be prayed for tonight. People will pray throughout the week. We'd love to have you come out tonight. Can I encourage you, if you're a little uh, prayer shy? you don't want to come because you're afraid of praying out loud, just come and agree with us. And if God moves on your heart to open your mouth and pray, that would be great. But if not, we'd just love to have you here. We do have one more time of reflection in there as well in dealing with our private devotional life. If you could fill that out, that would be great. Uh, Starting here in a couple of weeks, the new women's Bible study, going through the book of Revelation. I don't know about you, but I love the book of Revelation. And women, I want to encourage you to come out for that. The title of the the title of the study is The End of the World. We do know that the world is coming to an end sooner or later. Amen. Here's the good news. God wins. Amen. Amen? We know who wins. It doesn't matter who wins the election in November. God's still going to win at the end of the world. Amen? Amen. All right. So I want to encourage you to come out for that. We do need signups today. If you could sign up because they do order materials. It'll be starting on September 25th. It'll be on Tuesday nights from 645 to 830. So we want to encourage you to come out for that 18-week study. Uh, Also, a new announcement this week, the WAM, the uh, Worship Arts Ministry for Kids and Youth. This is for grades uh, 1st grade through 8th. They're going to begin to uh, prepare for the Christmas program. Uh, It takes time to practice. So the first uh, week of rehearsals is going to be September 18th on Tuesday night from 7 to 8.30. And so we want to encourage our young people to be involved with that. Moms and dads, encourage your kids. And then there will be auditions on September 30th for um, special parts, various parts. Um, that will be Sunday the 30th at 3 o'clock. So if you're interested in being involved with that, I'll mark that down. And then finally, before Pastor Rob has a couple announcements, just remember, as always, that the, if you're new to Calvary Chapel, first of all, we're just glad you're here. I hope you feel really welcomed and loved. The Lord loves you. We love you. We've been praying for you, even though we didn't know you and we're glad that you're here. But if you call this your church home, you know that the tie envelopes are, are in the bulletin. Just grab that, fill it out and drop your uh, offering in the box on the way out. But we do want to take a moment to pray and thank God for his provision. So let's do that in preparation for the rest of the study this morning. Heavenly Father, we do thank you and we praise you that you are Jehovah Jireh, Lord God, our provider. And Lord, that you provide our every need. You provide uh, not only for us physically, but more importantly, provide for us spiritually. And Lord, it's our desire, Lord, to give back to you just a small portion of the abundance that you bless us with. And Father, I pray we would give with cheerful hearts, not begrudgingly, but Lord, recognizing that all we have belongs to you, our time, our talents, and our finances. Father, I pray you take what is given and use it for your kingdom and for your glory. Lord, I just thank you for the, way the It was used last week for Church in the Park. What an incredible blessing that was. And Father, we look forward to all that you have for us. So Lord, we pray you'd be with our pastor now. Fill him with your spirit. Give each of us ears to hear what your spirit would say to us this morning. We ask these things in your holy and your precious name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen.
1: Amen. At Church in the Park, we had 500 plates, and we ran out, and there was still a super long line, so I have no idea what the number was at the Church in the Park, well over 500. Uh, And then I was kind of getting a kick out of Church in the Park, because the week before, um, uh, Dr. Pete shared about, you know, uh, giving and the like, and in the 12 years as a pastor of the church, uh, last Sunday was the worst offering in the history of the church, because everybody was just confused. It wasn't like, oh, I'm not giving. They just were confused. And uh, and we looked at the offering. We're like, man, this is really going to set us back because we're not a we're we're not a reservoir. We're a conduit. I mean, we live week to week. That's just how we do it. And so we just took it to the Lord in prayer. By Wednesday of this week, you guys are you guys rock. It, 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 whatever we needed came in, and God blessed it. So I just wanted to praise the Lord for that. You can do better than that. I know it's nine a.m., but for goodness sakes, wake up, jeepers, people. And you also get a treat, the nine o'clock service, even though a large portion of your fellowship is over in the Financial Peace University. uh, And Pastor Dave's right, it is going to be packed here at 11 o'clock service. So I want to commend you for getting up early and filling those seats because 11 o'clock is going to be a zoo. But you are going to be treated to a really wonderful blessing. And that's one of my favorite things as a pastor that I get to do is the dedications of the little ones. And I love this family. Tom and Bianca are just precious. They... um, They've been fellowshipping here for quite a while, and I love Tom because he is one of the most gracious men, and he'll come up and he'll share with me what's on his heart, and we'll work through things, and I'm just so blessed by him, and his wife just reminds me of Michelle because he's just so precious and sweet and puts up with a guy like Tom, like Michelle puts up with a guy like Rob, and and I'm blessed by that. And look at these handsome boys. They just got some really strapping, good-looking guys, and then the Lord just knew that wasn't enough, and so the Lord blessed them with a little girl. And so we got we got Briella and and Amelia, right? Amelia, and I want to share with you what Briella's name means. God is my strength. That's a good word, right? And then Amelia means friendly and soft. Gosh, that's that's pretty cool. That's like that's a that's a woman right there, friendly and soft. So she's God is my strength. And then um, uh, you want to introduce Tom? You want to introduce the folks that are here with you that you wanted to. So this is uh, Matt. Matt, stand up, will you? Yeah, Godfather. Hey, how you doing? Hey. <laughs> this is Chris, all right. godmother, Mary, nice to have you with us. Wow. Awesome. Uh, Tom? Yeah, that runs through the family. It's a good name. Good to have you all with us. Grass Valley, my in-laws live up there, so. All right, I know how far of a drive that is. Bless you guys, that's sweet. All right, now life verse. So I get, to, this is her life verse. You know what, I'm not gonna do her life verse. I'm gonna sing it, but I'm gonna hold her first. Come here, princess. Oh man, you are a pretty girl.
0: Huh?
1: All right. I'm going to sing, so you just put up with it, okay? Because your life verse is numbers. Jeez, all right. You want to put that? There we go. And there you go. Numbers 6, 24 through 26. It's the ironic Blessing. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. And be gracious unto thee, the Lord. Lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Let's pray for this precious little one in this wonderful family. Would you put your hands forward in in commitment? Lord, we lift up little Briella to you what a gift she has God! Just as I look into the peacefulness of her face, Lord, I thank you for her. I thank you for Tom and Bianca and Tommy and William, Lord. I thank you for this wonderful family that loves you. And Lord, I know that they long to raise this little girl in the love and the admonition of the Lord. And so as their church family, we commit together to do that for this little one. That all the days of her life, we will set before her an example of what it means to walk with Jesus. Lord, I pray your blessing upon Briella. I pray, Lord, that you'd give her a supernatural love for your word, a heart to proclaim it, that you would protect her purity and her innocence and that she'd be mighty in her generation for declaring your truths. And so, Lord, thank you for this precious one. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. You listened to all of it, didn't you? Yeah, Oh, big smile for me. You didn't see that. That's all mine. Amen. I'm sorry and our quilting ministry the ladies charlotte good stuff there uh they they make a quilt specifically for every child charlotte gives them the name in advance and they pray and they ask for wisdom and discernment and then the lord speaks to them and every quilt is handmade hundreds of hours go into each of these and this is for you briella here you go love i always open them up backwards but not this time look at that isn't that beautiful And then always on the back, it says something special. This one says, children are a blessing from the Lord. Psalm 127.3, love from Calvary Chapel quilters. So there you go. Amen? Here you go, Tom. And you get the little ribbon for your... No, I'm just kidding. You. <laughs> Let's give it up for this wonderful family. I was so precious. Amen. Amen. I you didn't mind me singing. I was yelling at the football game. I didn't think I'd have a voice. Oh, Tom, you left your ribbon. Break my heart, man. Uh, I, there's a couple things I want to say before we get into the study. Um, usually when I come across a couple of good movies, I'll, I'll send them your way and you can check them out. Uh, I watched one last night called You UN and Me, unu.n.me, dot dot and it's about the U.N., and it was this guy named um, uh, Ami Horowitz. And he, he's taken a long time to put this thing together. And it was one of the most amazing documentaries I've ever seen. Um, it's not liberal or conservative. It's just a look at the UN. And I, I thought it was pretty profound. Because as we're going into this idea of spiritual warfare and standing in the truth, that we don't battle against uh, flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers... You're going to see that in a world that has no foundations, that there's no absolutes, that when that governing body runs the world or attempts to run the world, they don't look at evil as evil or good as good. They're noncommittal. So, for example, their their, um, uh, commission on terrorism, they haven't, they've they've been in action for a number of, of years and they haven't named one country as a terrorist country. They they just they say well what works for one country may not be necessarily what works for another and there's there's absolutely no foundation to it and you watch it and it's it, it's it's tragic. And, but at times it's hilarious. But the tragedy is, the UN could have stopped what happened in Rwanda. In in less than a year, eight hundred thousand people were massacred in Rwanda, and the UN had peacekeeping forces there and they didn't do anything. You got to take a look at it. I would encourage it. And then there's another movie I thought was kind of cool. It was called One Ounce of Courage. Uh, it's playing September 14th to the 15th at Regal uh, Simi Valley 16th Theater, and it's a, a message about family and faith, and it was inspired by the events um, that, that happen around the country, these renewal events that one of our elders, D- uh, David Lane, has been involved with, and it's a pretty powerful uh, movie, and so th- those are things I just wanted to put up for you, and you can get all the information out in the foyer on that. I don't have any information on you and me, but I watched it last night. I was up till about 12.30, and I was blown away by that movie, so I think you'll enjoy it. All right. Uh, that's it for the announcements, I think. Uh, oh, no, 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 no. Tonight, in Suite 16, uh, we are going to have a children's ministry informational meeting. There's been some changes to the children's ministry. Uh, if you're part of the children's ministry, it'll affect you and you want to come and learn about it. And that's going to be, uh, I think, is it 4.30 tonight? What? Yeah, 4.30? Okay. So come on out for that. It'll be in Suite 16 just down the way here at 4.30 tonight. And uh, if you can't make it, just get the information from somebody who attended. All right? Man, uh, hello. All right. We're good with that? Come on now. Raise your hand if you're born on your birthday. Okay, good. A few of you here. All right. All right. Okay. Uh, fellows, would you pass out the scriptures? Um, And and if anyone's asleep, shake them. And... uh, Open up, if you would, when you get your Bibles, open up to Ephesians chapter (laughs) 5. Gotcha. Chapter 5. I know we're going into the uh, armor of God, but today we're going to do a little different because it's Communion Sunday and I want to set it up for our study on the uh, armor of God. Ephesians chapter 5. And look at, what I want you to do is I want you to, Put your finger on on, on verse 15 and then turn over to Ephesians 6 and put your finger on verse 10. Because we're going to read from both of those areas, but we're going to start with Ephesians 5. And when you have your finger there, then stand. Because we stand for the reading of the word of the Lord, we sit for the word of the teacher. One we honor, the other we tolerate. Ephesians 5. We're going to pick up at verse 15. The passage reads... See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time. And then everyone, let's say these five words together, because the days are evil. Verse 17 reads, therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Okay, so when the days are evil, we need to know what the will of the Lord is. Now let's turn over to Ephesians 6. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. And so that'll be our passage and I'll take you through some stuff in a moment. So let's pray. Lord, as we undertake the study of the armor of God and today we need to understand what it means to stand, what you expect of us, how are we to stand when we have a foe that can wipe us out in a heartbeat. We, we can't compete against Satan. We can't compete against demons. As our adversaries, they're far greater than we are. But then you declare to us that you've given us armor. You've given us the ability to stand. You declare to us that the times are evil, the days are evil. You want us to know what your will is. You tell us that we don't battle against flesh and blood. We battle against things we can't see. Principalities and spirits of the air, we wrestle against these things. Rulers of the darkness of this age, spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. And yet you call us to put on this armor. And so God... There's so much that we need to understand in relation to all this because the days are evil, Lord. It's getting harder and harder to walk in truth, to discern what's right and what's wrong, what's good, what's evil. Lord, that line is so blurred. We we listen to one convention of politicians speak, and then we hear another convention of politicians speak, and one says the other's lying, and the other says the other's lying, and where is the truth? And we're supposed to make decisions to raise our families in the love and the admonition of the Lord. But God, help us. Spirit of living God, would you fall afresh on us? Would you minister to our hearts? Lord, I know there's folks who have come into this room for the first time, maybe never even stepping into a church. This is the first time they've been here and they're thinking, what is this all about? And God, I pray they'd be ministered to. I ask, Lord, that you do a mighty work. And we'll give you the glory and the honor and the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, have a seat. My voice is hoarse because I uh, typical on a Saturday, my son plays football, and I yell a lot, and yesterday was a great game because this team north oxnard that they 've they 've played every year and never beat and they beat him yesterday, yeah and i I yelled a lot, and now oh, my voice is hoarse. I watched in the game uh, my son uh, Daniel plays center and he's you 've seen how big he is some of he 's a hundred and something pounds soaking wet he 's getting bigger, but he 's still tiny, and he was up against I kid you not a 250 pound lineman this kid was 13 he had his own zip code he was ginormous and uh you know you just boom you hit him and and I I I was watching this and a couple of times in the game you know our boys were a lot smaller than these Oxnard kids and a couple of times some of our kids got hit so hard their helmets came off and and uh they put them back on and went back out there you know and but I watch my son suit up every Saturday and I watch him suit up for practice as both my boys and they've got their helmet and they've got their shoulder pads and they've got their knee pads and they've got their, you know, uh, the the chest pads and and they're all covered. And the idea is they're they're going into battle. And the apostle Paul, as he was writing this letter to the church at Ephesus, was in prison and he's chained to a Roman guard. And, you know, you want to talk about an oppressive government and and, and we may be oppressed right now with high taxes and wondering what's going to happen with the future and all these things. And it's political season in less than 60 days until the election. And, and we're all tense and worried and all these things going on. But let's remember this for a moment. Like Pastor Dave said earlier, regardless of who wins the election, God already won. That doesn't mean we abdicate our responsibility. We're to stand. We're to withstand. We're to engage in the process. That's something we're supposed to do, but there's a way to go about it. We don't battle against flesh and blood. We battle against principalities and spirits of the air that we, 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 we come against these powers and these rulers of, the, of darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. It's a spiritual battle. And as Paul is chained to this guard in a very oppressive government, I mean, you, there wasn't a republic, there wasn't a democracy. I mean, this was a mess. And Paul's chained to a Roman guard and, and Roman soldiers inundated the entire world. And if you were in a populated area, you would see Roman garrisons everywhere. And they had their boot on the neck of every culture in the world. And you messed around, and you had a Roman sword at your throat. And Paul knew what it was like to be chained. But the interesting thing about Paul is his perspective was, I'm not a prisoner of Rome. Rome's a prisoner of Paul. And as he'd be chained to this guard, the guard would think that that Paul's a prisoner, but Paul would make the guy realize he's a prisoner. And Paul would go, hey, listen, would you go through the armor again for me? At what you're wearing there. Tell me again about these, these leg things. Well, what is that about the breastplate that you wear? What, how's that helmet work? And that sword, it's double-edged, isn't it? I mean, that's an amazing weapon that you possess there. You know, that the belt, the, the, the buckle. Tell me about that. And how do you use it? You don't have any armor in the back. It's all towards the front because you guys always pursue. You never retreat. Tell, okay, let's go through it again. The guard's like, shut up. Paul's like, no, 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 I, I get, this is a total connection to the spiritual thing that I'm writing, I'm sending, just keep telling me. Arr, can I get a replacement? Is my four hour shift up yet? And Paul, these guys were prisoners of Paul. And he's looking at this and he's thinking, you're looking at a physical specimen of, of, of strength that has conquered the known world. And Paul's looking at it going, you've, you've conquered nothing. You may be able to conquer countries, but you haven't conquered your own soul. You, you are you, you are a slave to sin. I understand what it's like to be chained to you and yet be free, and, and you thinking that you are the conqueror, and yet you're the one enslaved. You're enslaved to a system. You can't even control your own wants and desires, and the way that they keep you working in this misery is they keep throwing at you things that are just going to occupy your mind and, and keep you focused on the temporal instead of the eternal. And that soldier's just baffled by that. And then as Paul is writing here, we, we saw earlier in one that we've already taken a look at in Ephesians 5, he says, see that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Folks, the days are evil. I, I don't. Is this the first time in a church for you? And it, I, All I'm telling you is the days are evil. The days are evil. And we don't know what's going to happen in Libya. We don't know what's going to happen in Egypt. We don't know what's going to happen in Iran. We don't know what's going to happen in Afghanistan. You know, when we're talking about, you know, 40 megawatt uh, uh, reactors, th- those aren't for power. They don't make forty mega- megawatt reactors for power. They do it for 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 you know nuclear uh, materials to create bombs, and that's exactly what Iran's doing. They're not doing it for power. That doesn't power a city. None of those reactors they're building are for anything regarding cities. And they own the UN. They just it, 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 on this idea of of human rights, they put Ahmadinejad in the. In the are you kidding me? The days are evil. and It's not if, and, but it's when something tragic is going to happen somewhere in this nation. And, and you can lay awake at night wondering. But I got news for you. You don't battle against flesh and blood. The days are evil. The days are evil. But God says, listen, walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Redeem the time. Folks, you're going to die of the last thing that you were sick of. Or, you know, you're immortal until God's done with you. And if something happens, it happens. Just like I told my son, son, when he was fearful of of the shooting in Colorado, I said, son, if we were in that theater, I would have looked at you and said, son, you take care of your brother, get him out of the theater. I'm going to go stop that guy. My boy said, why, dad? And I said, because there's people in the theater who don't know the Lord. I'm secure. My name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I'm going to go stop that guy. We're going to redeem the time. I'm here to make sure those people get to where I'm going. We're just beggars showing other beggars where the food is. And you know what? He's going to have to get through a legion of angels to get me if he's going to shoot at me. And some of you are going, well, that's foolish. Is it? God so loved the world, he gave. Gave what? His son. Jesus said, no man takes my life. I give it. I lay it down. He did not come to be served, but to serve. That's what we're all supposed to do. I I expect every one of you, and I know you would. You'd stop that man. And my son understands that. That's redeeming the time. The days are evil. People need to know the truth that they would be set free. And So the Lord says, don't be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Understand what the will of the Lord is. Understand what the will of the Lord is. And so then we go into the next portion, which is in Ephesians chapter 6. And we pick up with what we're going to be studying in the coming weeks. He says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. There isn't a person in this room who can battle the devil. There isn't a person in this room who can battle a demon and survive. And some of you are going, I don't believe in demons. Okay. All right. I don't see it. Well, okay. You're just hearing voices. Well, like I said in, in previous studies, I mean, if I, I if I were to say to you, listen, do you realize there's voices And images in the room you can't see? I don't believe that. I'll get a television set and show you. I'll get a radio and I'll tune in and I'll show you. They're traveling through the air. Well, okay, I I can follow that. You won't believe in demons. You won't believe in a spiritual realm. And then you you think about, you you can make money on a television show by getting some guy who has a doctorate from Harvard who runs around with a, a plasma meter that can read thermal imaging. And all of a sudden there's a spirit there. And they get, you know, a Nobel Prize for that, but you don't believe in spiritual powers and principalities. You don't believe that people are vying for your mind; that it's a battle of the mind. You would dismiss that. You don't believe in good and evil. Well, go work for the UN. (laughs) When they had the uh, the Tutsis and the Hutus, and there was a, a genocide. The Tuzis were hiding, and they were in this compound protected by the U.N. And they said, we, we, can't, we can't take sides. You've got to remove yourself. They got up and left. Within 15 minutes, they were all massacred. Is, that, is there good and evil in that? They still get a paycheck, comes in. We, our taxes go to that. It's baffling to me. And as I look at this, the Scripture says, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. In the Lord. You can't fight evil on your own. He says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. And he says this word over again. Against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. It's a position that you take. Yesterday when Michael was uh, on defense, no, excuse me, when he was on offense, he would get down in his stance, and the whole team would get down in their stance. And this other team was bigger than they were, but they would just kind of stand up on the line. And when the ball would snap, they'd go after the line. But they weren't down in a, using their fulcrum and their center of gravity. And our guys, those smaller, just stuck them. They weren't ready to go for it. And that's that idea of standing. You, you've got that posture, and you're like, bring it on. I'm ready for this. Bring it on. And how do we get, how do we stand? Well, the scripture says, put on, put on. You don't bring anything to the fight. You don't bring anything to the fight. The Lord brings all the armor. You show up at a football game without your uniform, you're palm old. God brings the armor. Our job is to put it on. We'll go through what it means to put on that armor. We'll go through what it means to put on that armor. But the realization of how we're supposed to stand against the wiles of the devil, you know, there's, there's a couple of ways to look at The devil. One is to think that he's everywhere. Let me remind you of something. Satan isn't God's equal in evil. He's not omnipresent. Right. When he was asked by the Lord, and Job, where have you been? He says, I've been going to and fro throughout the earth. He, ha- he travels. He can only be in one place at one time. He's not omnipresent. And, and there are principalities as we see in Daniel, and there are demons that oversee certain areas. And if you have a trouble you know, processing that, you'll, 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 re- you'll realize it. But we've, we fall into this this trap where we give the, the devil too much credit. You know, the devil of the chocolate cake and the devil of this and the devil of that. And, I, you know, I, I fall prey to the devil of dessert every night. And, I, you know, he's, he, I'm possessed by that one. But we give so much credit to the devil that he, he appreciates that. He likes it. The reverse is to give him too little credit and think he's just a little image on a hot sauce bottle. But like in Jude verse 9, the idea is... We don't bring an accusation against the devil. The idea is that the Lord will rebuke him. See, what God is saying is, and, and like David, when he walked out into the Valley of Elah and he went up against Goliath, he says, Goliath, your weapons, your physical weapons are far superior than my own. But I, don't, I, I come at you in the name of the Lord of hosts, whom you have defied this day. See, the battle's not against you and me, Goliath. The battle's against you and the Lord. I'm just a vessel. He didn't even put on man's armor. He walked out in the spirit of the Lord. Little ruddy boy took down this giant. It's a story that resonates through every culture when it's told. The bully gets beat. Beat bad. And the power of that is the Lord says, listen, you are not going to be able to beat the devil in the physical realm. He's limited. We find in Genesis that he tempted Eve, as it says in John, he tempted Eve with these three things, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh and the boastful pride of life. So he tempted Eve in the Garden of Eden. He says, it'll make you wise. And it was beautiful and, and delicious to the taste. And so it had the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the boastful pride of life. It would make you wise. You'll, you, you'll be you know, like God. And then you, you, you fast forward and you come into to, to Luke 4 and, and Matthew, Matthew 4 and you see this idea of Jesus in the wilderness and how does Satan tempt him the same way. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, boastful pride of life. He's a limited creature, yet he still suckers us with the same worm. And we fish it. And so God says, listen, here's the first thing we're going to do. Before we get to the armor of God, I want to talk to you about what it means to be able to put on. I'm going to invite you into the equipment closet of the Lord. The equipment closet is over here on my right. It's also to my left. It's also in your bulletin. Each of them is listed. We're going to go through the equipment closet, but you can't open the lock of the equipment closet. You're not welcome to come and put on any of this until we can get through this first study. Until you can come to a place where you agree with the Lord that you need to put on this stuff. Otherwise, the door won't open and the equipment's not yours. And you're going to be fodder. You're you're going to be fuel for the fire of misery. And the Lord declares to us, this is how you put on the Lord. And, and when Jesus came to the earth and his ministry for, was over, you know, for a, an extended period of about three years, we learn from the Lord in his time, 33 years on this earth, what it means to be a man, a physical man, flesh and blood and have victory over the devil. We learn from the Lord how to be flesh and blood and accomplish great things spiritually for the Lord. We understand from Jesus how, how what it means to be flesh and blood and be filled with the Spirit of God and to be led by the Spirit. And so we're going to take a look at that. Would you open up to Luke chapter 1 real quick? Luke chapter 1. I'm going to give you a key. Listen, I'm going to give you a key to the equipment closet. And it starts in Luke chapter 1. This is for everybody, Christian or non-Christian. This is a key to the closet. You need this. Every person on the face of the earth needs this. There is a spiritual adversary and he's after you and he comes to steal, kill and destroy and he will annihilate you and he will not be content until you're gone. You've been created in the image of God. He wants you wiped off the face of the earth. And there's equipment that's going to give you the strength to stand and to withstand in those trial trial filled days. But the key is found here and in other passages, but this begins. Are you ready? Verse 26. Luke chapter 1. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at this saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus, and he will be great, and will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How can this be? Since I haven't known a man, I'm a virgin. There's no way I can be pregnant. I mean, you got the wrong Mary. And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also that the Holy One who is and everyone say to be born. The Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. How was Jesus born? He was born of a virgin, but born of the Spirit. You see, there's only been two complete men on the face of the earth. The one was Adam, actually and Eve in the Garden of Eden. The scripture says in Thessalonians that we're trichotomies, we're three-part beings. Soma, psyche, and pneuma, body, soul, and spirit. And when we were created in the image of God, as it says in, in, um, in Genesis one twenty-six, we were created in the image of God, that means body, soul, and spirit, a trichotomy, a three-part being. But in the day we ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and that day dying, we, we, it, was, it was passive progressive dying, we continued to die. The Spirit departed, so we were physically alive, soulishly active, but spiritually dead. And we were separated from the love of God and, and we were not a completed being the minute sin entered the world. Adam and Eve walked away from that. The Spirit departed and they began to die. They lived a long time, but they began to die and they did die. And it wasn't until this point in time that now the conception of Christ has occurred and here you have someone born of the Spirit. He has a body, he has a soul, but he has a spirit. He was born of the spirit. Some of you are saying, well, I I can't, I I was born into sin. I can't be born of the spirit. I mean, Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit in the womb of Mary. How am I supposed to do that? Good question. Great question. Same question a guy named Nicodemus asked. He says, I was one born of the spirit. Am I supposed to crawl back into my mother's womb? He was a ruler, the the spiritual ruler of Israel. He couldn't fathom it either, either. And Jesus said, listen, You must be born again. You must be born again. Uh, John 3, verse 1 says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. No one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered and said, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. How's one born again? How's one born again? The Bible says, if you believe in your heart, confess with your tongue. Jesus is Lord. You will be saved to the glory of the father. He goes on to tell him in John three sixteen, actually 15. He says, God didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but to forgive the world. Verse 16 of John chapter three says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You will be given the spirit of God when you're born again and you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. One key to open the closet. You can't go any further without that key. You have to be born. Jesus was born of the spirit. You must be born of the spirit. Jesus was born of the spirit. You and I must be born of the spirit. That's the only way that you're gonna have access to the armor. We can't go any further until you, you you grab that key. Maybe you've come into the room for the first time, you've never ever heard this, that you're supposed to be born again. You're a dichotomy, you need to be a trichotomy. The spirit of the, God, uh, the, spirit of the living God will fall upon you when you say, Lord, come into my life. Fill me with your spirit, that I, I would be born again. I believe your body was broken, your blood was shed for the remission of my sins, and I receive you as my savior, that I would be born again, born of the spirit. So you have to be born of the spirit, Yes? So there's the key. And we got some more on the key ring. Not only are you to be born of the Spirit, but take a look with me, if you will. Turn to Hebrews chapter 9, New Testament. Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9. It's another key. Verse 14. The author writes, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered, everyone say offered, offered "Offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. We've been born again. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Okay, it's not, an you've been born again. Praise the Lord. Amen. Now, here's what you do. Some of you were born again 10s, 20, 20, 30, 40 years ago, 50, 60 years ago. Some of you were born six days ago, born again. Some of you were born again six minutes ago when I talked about it. And those who have been walking with the Lord for 60 years may be struggling right now. And those who have been walking for six minutes. This next key I'm about to offer you is that. You've been born again, and just as Jesus was born of the Spirit, you've been born of the Spirit, and here's what you do, the same thing Jesus did. Offer yourself to God. God, I've been born of the Spirit, and I'm here to serve you. I offer my life to you. I, I, I Everything I wanted to live for, I now give to you. I've been born of the Spirit, now I offer myself to you. How do we know that he offered himself? I'll, I'll read this to you. You don't have to turn there. We're limited on time, but you can mark this down. It's Psalm forty. Verses six through eight, it says, Jesus speaking, it's a messianic psalm, sacrifice and offering you did not desire. My ears, you have opened burnt offering and sin offering you did not require. And then I said, behold, I come in the scroll of the book. It is written of me. Listen, I delight to do your will, O my God, and your laws within my heart. I offer myself to you, God. I I delight to do your will. I'm here to serve you, Lord. Offer yourself to God. You've been born of the spirit. Now offer yourself to God. That opens up the closet. Offer yourself to God. Do you get it? God, I'm here to serve you. Not my will, but thy will be done. It's, it's, it's mirrored again in the author's words in, in Hebrews chapter 10, starting with verse 5. It says, therefore, Jesus came into the world. He said, sacrifice an offering you did not desire, but a body you've prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifice for sin, you had no pleasure. And then I said, behold, I have come in the volume of the book as it is written of me to do your will, O God. Lord, I'm I'm here to do whatever you want. I offer my life to you. Did you wake up today and say, God, this is the day that you have made. I'll rejoice and be glad in it. What do you want to do with the life that you've redeemed? I've been born of the spirit. Now I offer myself to you. That's every day. That's not just once a day. That's every day, every moment. I offer myself to you, God. What do you will? What do you desire? You know, Jesus said in relation to offering himself to the Lord in John chapter eight, he said uh, and God who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone. And listen, this is what Jesus said. For I always do those things that please the Father. Do you offer yourself to God and say, God, I want to please you. I offer myself to you. You've been born of the Spirit. Now you've been offered through the Spirit. And, and, uh, and what was amazing about this is in John chapter 3, you know the story. John the Baptist is baptizing out in the wilderness. Jesus shows up. John the Baptist is Jesus' cousin. He shows up. He's baptizing all these people. And, and when Jesus shows up, he says, I, I'm not even fit to untie your sandals. I can't baptize you. You should baptize me. And Jesus said, let it be so, John. Let it be so. Permit it to be so now, for thus it will be fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Listen, John, I'm going to do what every man is going to do, and that is offer ourselves to the Lord. We'll lay our life down. And, and we'll give our lives to, to the Father. We'll offer ourselves to the Father. And so you baptize me. And I love this because uh, Jesus came up from the water after John had baptized him. And behold, the heavens opened. And he saw a spirit of God descending like a dove, alighting upon him. And he's like, oh. And imagine this. Everyone was present. As suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. You know what's cool about being born again and offering yourself to God? Listen to me. You know what's cool about being born again and offering yourself to God, being born of the spirit and offering yourself through the spirit to God? At this point in Jesus' ministry, he hadn't raised one sick person, he hadn't walked on water, he hadn't turned water into wine, he hadn't caused the blind to see, the lame to walk, the deaf to he didn't do anything. Nothing. No miracles, no good works. And yet, what did the father say? This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. If you are born of the spirit and offer your life to God through the spirit, I got news for you right now. God is well pleased with you. You didn't earn that salvation. He gave it to you and you received it. And God loves you. It was the apostle John who would say over and over again, the apostle whom Jesus loved. You know how much God loves you? Just give your life to him. Offer yourself to him. It's not what you do. It's who you are. You're covered in the blood of the lamb. His righteousness is put on your account. God looks at you and he says, I love you. I'm well pleased with you. You woke up this morning. You had a miserable night last night. You drug your sorry self in here. But you've been born of the spirit. And this morning you walked into this room and I offer myself to you, God. And you know what the Lord says? I love you. I'm well pleased with you. Me, God, yes. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. Not that we love God, but that he first loved us. So you've been, you've been born of the Spirit, offered yourself to the Lord through the Spirit. And then we're going to take a look at just two more, and then we'll go into communion. Matthew 4, um, this is immediately after the baptism of Jesus. The Father said, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And then Matthew 4, it says, and Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Matthew 4, verse 1 says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. The word led means driven. In the original Greek, it means driven. You're born of the Spirit. You offer yourself to God through the Spirit. And you know what happens next? Guess what? Your life is led by the Spirit, driven by the Spirit. And sometimes you'll be driven into the wilderness. The Spirit actually led him into a battle. And he stood. Because he'd opened up the equipment closet. And the Spirit led him. And when he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, it says afterward he was hungry. No, duh. Now when the tempter came to him and said if, and actually in the Greek it says, because you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. And Jesus said, it is written, it is written, it is written. You know what's interesting about this passage of Scripture? Matthew wasn't there. Luke wasn't there. How did they learn this? Jesus obviously was there alone. And he thought it fitting to sit with his disciples and say, listen, it's not if, it's when. It's when you're going to to face these spiritual entities of of the powers of the air, these, these spiritual forces. And this is what you do. You're born of the Spirit. You offer yourself to God through the Spirit. He's going to lead you. And when you get there, lo, I am with you always unto the end of the age. His word will be that weapon. And every moment you stand on the truth of that. And we'll go through each of the the, the items of the equipment closet. But Jesus took time to explain to them, let me tell you what happened to me. And yeah, it was 40 days without food. And when it says he was hungry, it's not a joke. You see those children in Africa with the bloated bellies. And when you go to feed them, they die. Because when you get to a place where the hunger is so overwhelming, the body begins to consume itself and they no longer have a stomach to digest and they die when you feed them. And at 40 days when the hunger pains come back, because the body knows how to shut down so it's not wasting its time looking for something that's not there, and, and it, it internalizes. But when it finally kicks in and the hunger pangs come back after a fasting period, what the body's saying is, if you don't get food right away, we are going to be consuming your organs and you will not survive. He was dying. And what Jesus was saying is, at that moment when all physical attacks are at its peak and it appears as though God has abandoned you and it doesn't make any sense, it's not like Satan goes, oh, poor Christian. I'm going to back off. He's had a hard day. He was laid off today. A loved one died. The mortgage is late. The dog threw up. He and his wife aren't getting along. I'm just going to back off. No, he's coming in. And you stand. And not just stand, you withstand when the wind blows. You know those times. You're up against a 250-pound lineman. You're 120 pounds. You're... And you know, there are those days when the wind blows. One pastor after another falls to temptation and you just go, what just happened here? Couples in the congregation you thought would never have marital problems, you can say, what, what just happened here? They're just beat up and mauled. He's not going to quit. When it's tough, he's coming after you. And at that moment when he's about to die, who comes rolling in? Oh, I'll tell you what, I, Satan's never taken time with me. I doubt he's even appointed any type of a subsidiary to come after me. He, he's, I'm already occupied with my own mind. He's already got me owned. Some of you are going, oh, I'm joking. Somewhat. But the idea is the battle at this point as he's walking with the Lord, Satan intensifies that he himself comes. And he goes after it, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, boastful pride of life. It's all yours. And Jesus withstands a temptation. Away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. Lo, it is written to me in the volume of the book, I've come to do thy will, O God. Even if he abandons me and I die hungry, God be glorified. The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Satan wants to get you to take your eyes off him. And when he puts you in the physical realm, he owns you. And you fold like a house of cards. But you stand because you've been born of the Spirit. You've been offered to God through the Spirit. And you've been led by the Spirit. And you stand in the Spirit. And you know what happens after that? Almost finished. You know what happens after that? Luke chapter 4, verse 14 says, Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of him went out through all the regions. People started. He started walking on water and raising the dead and the blind would see, the lame would walk. Where'd the power come from? He was born of the Spirit. He offered himself to God through the Spirit. He was led by the Spirit and the power of God came upon him. You can't have the resurrection power of Christ without the crucified side of the cross. You die, God lives. You walk in the Spirit, lives change. And as Jesus was walking in the Spirit of the Lord, he walked into the synagogue in Luke 4 and he opened up the book and he read and he handed to the, uh, was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he opened the book, he found the place where it was written, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and to recover the sight of the blind and to set to liberty those who are oppressed. Today, the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And what he's saying is, I am now a vessel of God and you're going to see lives transformed. Because I've been born of the Spirit. I offered myself to God through the Spirit. I've been led by the Spirit. Now I've been empowered by the Spirit. That equipment closet is open for business. And you think, how did he do it? I want to I lift myself up by my bootstraps, and I want to get this Christian life done. I want to be a better Christian. I want to try harder. I'm the little engine that could. And every time you do, you screw it up. Yes? Welcome to the world of the fallen. Let's learn from our master. What does he say? Jesus said in John chapter 5, listen to this. John chapter 5, verse 30, pay attention. Jesus said, I can of myself do nothing. You can't do it, Christian. Neither can I. How many of us have proven that? How many of us didn't believe that we'd proven it the first time? Try it again. How many of you did, it, did tried to do that this morning? I did. I can of my own self do nothing. You'd think if Jesus said that, we should pay attention. How do we do this Christian life? We're born of the Spirit. We offer ourselves to God through the Spirit. We do only that which pleases Him. We wake up every day with that mindset. And then we're filled with the Spirit and we're led by the Spirit. And then finally, the interesting thing about Jesus and His ministry, He was never late going anywhere. You never see him running around the shores of Galilee. Oh, oh, Lazarus is dying. Jarius' daughter, a oh, woman with the blood. What do you want now? Do you see what I'm healing people? I am so busy. He never ran anywhere. Long before the sun would arise, he'd go to a solitary place and commune with the Father, offering himself to the Father. He was never late. He was never under pressure. You know why? Because he was surrendered. You know why you're so uptight? Because you've got an agenda that has nothing to do with God. Settle down. Relax. It's not about what you want. It's about what God wants. Calm down. Be anxious in. Let's try that again. Be anxious in. And, and Here's the cool thing about the Lord. Colossians 1.15 says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all, over all creation. He, he is the image of the invisible God. You go, know, Well, I'm not. Really? It says in Colossians 1.19 For it pleased the Father that in Christ all the fullness should dwell. Well, he doesn't dwell in me. He could. Uh, This is it right here. This is what I said I'd close with, John 14. Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled. Pay attention. I'll read it to you. Let not your heart be troubled. He was speaking to his disciples. He's speaking to you this morning. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me, Jesus says. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know. And the way, you know. And you, some of you right now are just like the disciples. Thomas said to him, Lord, I heard what you said. "Uh, I have no idea where you're going. Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? (laughs) I have no idea what you're talking about, Lord. Jesus looked at Thomas. Where's Thomas? He said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have also known my Father. From now on, you know him and have seen him. And Thomas is like, okay, I I, kind of get it. Philip goes, no, 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 Lord. mm. Lord, would you show us the Father? And then it'll be sufficient for us. Could you just show us the Father? Listen, Jesus said to Philip, have I been with you so long and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. Every moment of every day, The exact image of the Father. I was born of the Spirit. I offered myself to God through the Spirit. I've been filled with His Spirit. And I've been led by His Spirit. And I've been empowered by His Spirit. And you've seen the Father. And then it all clicked. Genesis 126. You ready to open the closet? And access the equipment? Genesis 1.26, God said, let us make man in our image. Body, soul, and spirit. And the world will see the Father when they see you, born of the Spirit, offered to the Spirit, led by the Spirit, filled by the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit. The closet opens up, the equipment is yours, it's time to go for it. And here's our problem. The Lord says, you can't do anything on your own. The only thing you can do is die and let me live. Quit running around like a chicken with its head cut off. Would you just relax and offer yourself to me and let me fill you and lead you and empower you. Come to me, all oh, you are burdened and heavy laden who are running all around the shores of Galilee. And I will give you rest. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. Not until you're broken and you're dead and your blood is poured out. Not until you experience the death side of the cross will you be empowered with the resurrection power of Christ. You can't do anything on your own. You must be born Yes. Offered? Yes. Filled? Yes. Led? Yes. Empowered? Yes. Today's a day we become in the image of God, body, soul, and spirit. And everything Jesus did on this earth, he did as a man. A man who was born filled, right? Born, led, offered, filled, all of that. And what he did, we can do. And so when we take communion together right now, you come and you say, Lord, I offer myself to you. I want to be born of the Spirit. I offer myself to you through the Spirit that I would be filled and led by the Spirit and empowered by you for your glory. That the world would no longer see me, they would see you. Amen? Amen. And then we'll study the equipment next week. Let's uh, invite the ushers to come out in the worship team. Let's lower the lights and prepare for communion. The way we're going to take communion is you'll come down the side aisles and the ushers will give you the cup with their hermetically sealed gloves. And you'll take the cup, you'll come and grab the bread. If you need gluten-free, there's some here. You go back to your seat. And by the way, gluten-free doesn't mean remove the spirit. It's all good. You go back to your seat through the center aisle and you take communion at your leisure. We don't do it corporately. You just do it on your own. But just remember the order. The bread first because the body had to be broken. And the cup second so that the blood would be shed for the remission of your sins. If you've never given your heart to the Lord, right now I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads?